On May 15, 2020, the United States reported 25,382 new coronavirus cases. This number was down from the days of the 30,000 cases in early April, but nowhere near the numbers needed to quote-unquote reopen the country safely. Yet, cries called out for businesses, bars, and recreation spots to reopen, and two months later, on July 14th, the U.S. reported 61,834 new cases of COVID. As the world continues to battle a pandemic, and America specifically continues to struggle with making personal sacrifices for the greater good, millions can't help but wonder if this is the best option. The looming thought of change, whatever that may be, casts a large shadow over the American population. Change, doing something different, or going against the grain, not to rally against the betterment of the human population, but in a way to better yourself, is exactly what Arthur did on his second full-length release, Hair of the Dog, which was also released on May 15th, 2020, in the midst of pandemic commotion. Arthur's Hair of the Dog is an experiment in sonic pursuit. It constantly morphs, evolves, and changes. Hair of the Dog is an album of change, whether that be a societal shift of the modern world or in personal growth, this record seems to encapsulate it all. And for that, Hair of the Dog is an art school album. March 4th, 2020, at 3.35 p.m. Central Standard Time, I sent the text that reads, Queen, I'd like to get you on my podcast sometime within the next few weeks because A, I like talking to you, and B, I'd love for you to get some more plugs in for a show that now, speaking in the present day, I don't believe ever happened because of COVID. But anyways, let me know when you're busy so we can schedule that shit End quote. That was a text to my guest today, one Kylie Sagayan, who agreed to be on the show in March, and then, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the news, but the world did change completely, and I don't know why in my mind that made Kylie lose her spot in the queue, and I'm only just now getting around to her again, but that is the way my twisted mind works. Kylie Sagayan, welcome to the show. How are you? What is up, you guys? I am doing great. It's a beautiful, blistering hot day here in Chicago. What more could you ask for? Oh, man, it is a scorcher here in Indiana as well. Kylie, I'm so glad to have you on the show because there's a lot to like about you. I think you're a tremendous person. I think you're fun to collaborate with. You're also one of those people that whenever I ask what's going on, what's up, how are you doing, you've always got something to say. You're not one of these not much people. Uh, Explain to me real broad, and you can get as introspective and as deep as you like, why do you make so much stuff? What keeps you going? Okay, slow. first off, I'm blushing. Second off, um, I'm a Capricorn, if that means anything to to anybody. Um, But I like... truly am in line with with that in which I really you know rank my self-worth based off of what work I'm doing at the time so I just feel like I have to constantly be productive and I've been fortunate enough to have like stuff kind of always going on um which we can get into but um yeah I just have to be busy to live 
So I try to keep myself as busy as possible. Well, I like surrounding myself with you because, uh, well, first of all, would you like to guess my astrological sign? You're an Aquarius, and I know it. Oh, I am an Aquarius, and you do (laughs) know it. And so thus, being an Aquarius, I do like surrounding myself with busy people, people that are making things, people that are productive and nice to be around. And I certainly think you fall into that, whether it be your collages, your skateboarding, your writing, your... I don't know if this is still a thing you do, but I know for a while on social media you were posting a lot of like religious artifacts and religious paintings. Oh. And I was, I was super into that. Cause it was just like, Oh, uh, Mary is on my feed. Now this is a nice change of pace. What, I gotta bring back. <laughs> please bring that back. I guess. I, how, how do you get into all that you're doing? Because you're someone that just has so much going on. Where is the root of this desire from? And how do you get into what you get into? Um, that's difficult. I don't feel like there's one thing that I am good at. So I just cast a wide net and see what happens. I don't feel limited to like only doing what, what I'm good at. And I think that's, you know, some, something that I think everybody should do is just do what you, you enjoy doing and not necessarily what you're great at because you'll get better at it, you know? But, um, yeah, I recently just struggled through writing um, my first full-length play, which plug um, is going up at Theater Above the Law, May thirteenth through June thirteenth, twenty twenty-one. <laughs> if we are thrown back into quarantine at that point, um, but that's what I've been working on recently, and that's taken up literally all of my time. So no time for shenanigans. No, not at all. Now, you brought me a really bizarre album, something that I was unfamiliar with, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, but does the music you listen to specifically, does that influence any of the things you create, any of the things you do? Because I know for me, I have not been on a skateboard in a very long time, but skateboarding culture is still something that very much resonates with me and something that I discover a lot of music, and I guess you've seen me dress, air quotes, fashion, from said community. Is it the same way for you? Case, we have to skate soon. I don't care how long it's been (laughs) since you were on a skateboard. We're going to... Kylie, as long as you can get me a toy machine deck, it is the only brand I will shred on. As long as I'm rocking toy machine, I will go wherever you take me, okay? That we could set up a skate afternoon sometime soon. (laughs) I'll see what i can do <laughs> um this this album in particular like it's so strange it's so unlike really anything else i've ever heard and that i mean i'd like to say it inspired me but i don't know music doesn't really inspire me if i'm being real i mean that's probably a really hot take but i listen to music just to like you know, get in my feelings or like jam out. I don't really find a lot of inspiration in it when it comes to like writing really. When you are, as you said, getting in your feelings, are there certain artists you turn to? Uh, what what can someone expect when Kylie is in her zone? What is the soundtrack to set experience? Okay, um, my crying playlist goes as follows. There's gonna be 
a lot of Joy Again. Joy Again is a band that Arthur, um, whose album we are talking about today, he's also in that band. Um, standing on the corner, um, listening to Mitski, you know. <laughs> yes, Kailas and Kyan gives off big Mitski vibes. That does not surprise me that that is on the playlist. You are the target <laughs> demographic. I know. It's like she does it for me. <laughs> it's like sometimes I hear like an angry white guy yelling. I'm like, I feel seen and heard. This is nice. And Mitski, I am assuming, does the same thing for you. Like, it's like, no, this makes sense. This is for me. Yeah. I just love, um, you know, women singing about being sad. I love just... it too. As an ally, oh, I fully right. as yeah. a, I fully support it. <laughs> Slow is the ultimate ally, and we all need to respect that. It's true. And in the past, I don't know, month and a half, that's taken on a whole new meeting. Girl, like, oh shit, I got to put my money where my mouth is. I've been doing this <laughs> dumb bit for three years. I really got to like put my cards to the table and make sure people know where I stand with this now. It, yeah, it's been that very was productive. Like the first thing I knew about you it was like, was like, you you came in strong when when we were introduced to each other, being like, yeah, I'm an ally. <laughs> Well, we met our, it was my freshman year at Columbia, but you were a transfer student from where? Some school in Canada or something? Yeah, University of British Columbia. So I came in my junior year. So I was at at a point where I was just trying to make friends. And in high school, I went to a much more conservative high school where the bit with my friends was we would be fake conservatives and... It just be oh, awful, yeah. um, but it was it was done with the idea that hey we're all voting blue like we know what's up. Um, but at Columbia it was the opposite, and it was just like well I have to I because I have no choice but to alienate myself from everybody that just seems to be my go to. It's like well I might as well mock the things these people believe even if I also believe them, and thus uh, Case the Ally was uh, unfortunately spawned from the depths of hell. And like I said over the past month I've been like oh shit this has weight to it like i have to like be a a more productive human right it's like a commitment and and i'm not and i'm not afraid of commitment like most people my age or i guess unlike most people my age i am ready i am ready for the long term i am ready to have a ring put on it just whatever i can do to just lock shit down i am ready to do that do you feel the same way kylie do you have commitment issues um No, I love commitment so much. My favorite thing ever. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, I believe that response. (laughs) So, Kylie, I want to know a little bit. You said music doesn't inspire you, but that doesn't mean it is not a part of your life in some way. Growing up, did you have a family that was super into music? Who were some of the first bands you got into? What were some of your first experiences with sound, if you will? Oh, Um, well, growing up, my family didn't really listen to a lot of music. I think it really came down to like three, you know, three things. We would listen to uh, my dad's Outkast Greatest Hits album. We would listen to Johnny Cash and we would listen to the Dixie Chicks. And that was like it growing up until probably I was like a sophomore in high school. 
like I did, I got exposed to music and like started finding my own music so late. It's like embarrassing. Uh, well, the trio you were working with, a pretty strong trio, if I say so myself. Honestly, you didn't need to explore anything. I think you kind of had it locked down there. But when you finally started exploring and finding music for yourself, by yourself, what was that experience like? And what were some of the artists that you first discovered? Um, my awakening came from from two different albums. It was like the stretch in 2012, 2013, when Lord released Pure Heroin and then Kanye released Yeezus. <laughs> that still like kind of shapes what I listen to today. That was when I was like, oh, there's music other than these three CDs that my parents have. Um, and then from there, yeah, I just started seeking out my own stuff. So and here we are. Funny you mentioned Jesus. I did earlier this afternoon submit listener questions from two different people, and it was Jake Klingensmith and Caleb Soul, former guests of the show. I was like, hey, what do you guys want to know about Kylie? I've got kind of an open forum here. And the question that Caleb submitted was, quote, ask her if she prefers summertime 06 or Jesus and why. So now please respond to Caleb's question. Caleb! You can probably hear me shout that from the other room he's in like the other room but um oh i mean i have to go Jesus, of course because it was like the like the first album that i listened to on my own was like oh music's cool um and it sort of shaped like a whole phase for me of like industrial hip-hop but as a person way prefer vince staples um the love of my life summertime was like rocks but um, I prefer Jesus. That's very good to know. Uh, speaking <laughs> of Caleb Soul, he was a former guest on the show. We talked about King Cruel, Six Feet Beneath the Moon, an album that you had texted me about. <laughs> so, yes, after we recorded the show, Kylie texted me. Always nice to meet a fan. Kylie texted me and was distraught at my opinions of this album that I just didn't understand and part of my reasoning behind it, and you can go listen to the episode if you want a fuller in-depth take on the album but was to me a, well, there were a few songs that i thought were very bad but the the crux of the album was like this is fine like i would put it on in the background if i was you know at a social gathering which i am not doing which i may never do again uh but if i was at you know a social gathering if King Crow was on in the background, I would be like, oh, this is fine. We can sit under like a neon light that some film student bought and, you know, have fun with this on in the background. But it's it's not really making me feel anything. And I felt a little similar, a little similar, but not entirely. And we'll talk about it as we break down the album. But with the album that you brought to me, which was Arthur's Hair of the Dog, which was released on May 15th, 2020. Kylie, what were you doing in May of this year? Um, I was at my parents' house in California, just chilling with my mom, my dad, my sister, uh, our dog and our cat. And it was like, I was in a phase where I was listening to a lot of um, Arthur's previous album, Woof Woof, because I think it's just like a perfect album to listen to when you're like locked in somewhere, because that's how he made the album. He made it like at his parents' house, just locked in and i was like i'm gonna listen to it the same way and then um hair of the dog came out and i said all right time to transition <laughs> over to this album same situation 
Now, we are talking about Hair of the Dog, but right before we do that, I do want to talk about the main of the horse, because, Kylie, you are a self-proclaimed horse girl, and I would like to know a little bit about, has that affected your musical taste, your musical upbringing, perhaps your social cliques and social situations that you find in? What is it like? Tell me, I believe. Well, that's not true. Aaron Nicole's been on the show. You are the second self-proclaimed horse girl that I have had on the Article Albums podcast. What is that like? Can you share your experiences with me? Case, I can't believe you're bringing this up. I, I hate to, I hate to dox you. I hate to dox you as a horse girl. <laughs> but as a journalist, I feel like I have to. Yeah, I'm a reformed horse girl. I was in Pony Club. I had like me and my mom had three horses between us. Um has it impacted my musical taste? I don't really listen to country music, so I guess not. But um, recently, I've definitely had more of an appreciation for horses <laughs> um, than I even did when I was younger. <laughs> because I was like, oh, I don't want to be a horse girl when I was young. Um, because I just didn't identify with it. Like, a horse wasn't even my favorite animal. But now I'm older, and I'm like, hey. Horses are kind of sick <laughs> when you think about it. Um, so I say reformed, but really I'm relapsing. I did just watch a CBS Sunday morning story on the Cowboys of Compton, California. And, yes. Uh, it's I, I have not read their book, but I will plug their book because I'm sure it's worth reading. And they have two versions of it. They have like the normal book and then they have a version of it for kids, which I think is brilliant of like, if a horse girl wants to learn more, I guess about the socioeconomic ramifications of Compton, California and specifically what these people are doing to combat it. I am all for it. I was fascinated by their story. So, you know, I'm an ally to women and the LGBTQ community. Also horse girls, uh, an underrepresented marginalized group of people. So Kylie, I just want you to know that I am here for you this troubling time uh you are being heard and i hear you but anyways arthur's hair of the dog like i said it was released on may 15th 2020 now kylie this album arthur's hair of the dog it has been discovered on spotify playlists such as quarantunes and music for plants kylie are you playing music for your plants i'm assuming looking at you you own succulents <laughs> case you could not be more wrong um really i I know i look like i own succulents you do you really do i only have one plant and it's a bonsai tree that my dad gave me for valentine's day and it's like he gave one to all of all three of his daughters and it's a test for whoever keeps it alive the longest um has to take care of him when he's old so i think i mean i haven't been playing a lot of music for this bonsai um i might start playing some you know real loud real abrasive stuff so that it dies and i do not have to take care of my parents so that's my philosophy if you do need loud and abrasive music send me a text i am your plug and that is the only time it is applicable for me to say that but i am the plug in this scenario kylie um i was (laughs) Curious as to whether or not you wanted to keep the plant alive or wanted the plant to die. It seems like we have your stance on that. Yeah, I'll be sending you a text immediately after this. (laughs) Okay, so... On that uh, horribly troubling note, we do move into the album, which, like I said, it was released in May of this year, which we're now living in this 
this weird time where there was stuff made before either COVID or recorded before the protest started. And it just, even though it's only been a few months, there has been such a large cultural shift that it is so strange to think of what I was doing in February and just to think it like in a horribly nihilistic sense, which is not something I, I ever believe because I think nihilism is a waste of time. But like I look at what I was doing in February, I was like, that shit doesn't matter now. Like no matter what it was, it was just irrelevant. I mean, you were working on a show uh, for Second City that I did it ever end up occurring or was it completely shut down? Um, it was completely shut down like two weeks before we were supposed to open or something like that. We we're planning, um, Johnny DeSantiago, who directed and organized that whole show, um, is planning on hopefully rescheduling it as like maybe a one-off in the future. So we're just kind of waiting and seeing like everybody else is for everything. So hopefully it happens. Um, but you really don't don't know at this point because yeah. we're in the midst of it. I was just telling someone a few days ago. I was like, you know, going to school for what I went to school for in any sort of like theater or entertainment based variety. Like, it's always a gamble because you realize like it's not the most, I guess, economically smart decision. Like, I completely understand why parents, especially, would oppose to it. Like, in three years deep, I'm like, no, like I get it. Um, <laughs> But I had, you know, my, my thought process being in both, uh, I guess, the radio industry, which is adjacent to the music industry, and being in comedy, like, well, you know, the economy will change and things will become hot and then disappear. But, like, there will still be live events. Like, there will always be a need for crowds to gather and for <laughs> people to be in close spaces with one another. I failed to account for pandemics and my five-year plan. Not something I had considered. <laughs> how wrong we were like everything just you know being in theater being in comedy it just feels so obsolete now because like the government is showing how little they care about it and like people in general are showing how like disposable it, it is to them because it doesn't affect them but but you know for people in the industry it's just like absolutely devastating um, when that it's like when everything first started going down, I was like, well, this will be disastrous for the economy in, in a in a cruel way. Like, I knew it was directly affecting my work. Like, I got laid off pretty much immediately from my job, and I, I knew it would have economic ramifications. But in my mind, I was like, well, we'll all band together, and the country will come together, and we'll all do whatever we need to do to defeat this thing, and, and we'll, you know, we'll recover from it. Another one, I just failed to, uh, <laughs> I guess, realize that people had differing opinions on this. I thought this one was pretty straightforward, and people have decided that, no, they know best. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe, I can't believe that there's, like, any debate about, like, the way things should be done in, in a pandemic, but I guess here we are. Well, Arthur, in a way, is an artist who doesn't exactly follow the status quo, okay? He's not worried about falling in line with the rest of society. He's off doing his own thing. And as someone like myself, who loves labels and being able to define things, and someone who is in the creative industry but isn't that creative, this album, and starting with the opening track, Eight Melodies, I was like, okay, what did Kylie get me into? Like, I don't 
entirely know what this is. So if you had to like define this album as a genre, what would it be? Oh, I don't even know. I would definitely put it under the label of pop music. Um, the hmm. Yeah, I don't know, and I'm like not. Case we're different. I don't really care about you know. That's exactly. That's exactly it. Is like I knew you wouldn't care. Like I know who you are, and you would never even think like, well, what genre is this, and what is this saying about me if I listen to this thing? But I'm like a CIA agent. I'm connecting all of the dots between the genres, and I'm finding out you know what all of these things have in common. But you don't care about it, and thus you live a better life than I do. So congratulations on that. But you know, in I mean, the... if you had to, if you had to put a label on it, what would you put on it? It's I would put a broad umbrella of electronic over this because there are parts where I'm like, well, this is like trying to be hip hop or more of maybe a a, a poppier version of hip hop, something that I feel like I feel like Anderson Pack could get really into this album like I feel like he could use this as inspiration but as a whole that was that was uh, part of my question for you just because and this is something I've talked about probably too much on the show but like the changing landscape of alternative music and it's no longer just the four piece band of the guitar and the bass and the drums and the singer and you know whatever like there's a, a huge struggle within the industry of, you know, it's moving towards electronic music and some people are purists and don't like that. And I feel like in a strange way, this album is just as alternative as anything there is because it's truly something different. Like he's offering a service that no one provides. And I, I understood that from the opening song, which, you know, it's uh, like many songs on this album. It's one that's under two minutes. Most of them float around 90 seconds, but I enjoyed it. It was something different. Yeah, I think that's like sort of the plus of having really short songs with an album that, you know, sounds this weird. Because if you don't like it, great. There's going to be another song in 90 seconds, you know? I am (laughs) such an advocate for shorter songs. Uh, I do think there's a few songs on this album that are short that maybe don't entirely feel fully fleshed out like there's a punk band Joyce Manor they are known for having songs under three minutes long but I think the charm of a band like that is that even in their shortest songs even in their songs that clock in at you know a minute 15 seconds it's like wow I just experienced you know the full range of emotions that I was hoping to and I think there are a few songs on this album that maybe don't entirely live up to that expectation but I think Arthur kind of counterbalances that with, you know, three minute songs like the second song on the album, Feel Good, is one that feels fully fleshed out, even if it's not a song that I'm necessarily crazy about. I understand what he's going for and 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 I like it. Is there do you feel maybe unsatisfied, not with maybe the sound of these songs, but of the style of their way they're produced on this album, if that makes sense? Are there any songs that leave you wanting more? There's a couple, I think, especially at, like, the top of the album, um, he does, like, quite a few one-minute songs in a row. I think especially Fatalist, the third song on the album, could, you know, could potentially have been a longer song. Um, There's, oh, I love Epic, which is one, two, three, four, five, the fifth song on here. There's a lot of ones that are, like, 
like ideas that feel like they were just spurring the moment. He had to get this out there and to didn't feel the need or didn't want to make a complete song as we, you know, define it. So I think it's just all part of the all part of the experience. you a question that is going to seem unrelated at first but once i have your answer to the question it will all make sense as i will pull it all you know I, i'm constructing a web here so the question kylie sagayan is i'm terrified have you seen hbo's euphoria yes okay that makes sense i have as well i loved it the show terrified me i had nothing in common with any of those kids we had very different high school experiences but i do feel like if i could give this album one real strong compliment a lot of these songs feel like they could be in the euphoria soundtrack and i think this is something that zendaya's character would really enjoy (laughs) that's so funny i i I don't know. I I never connected those two. <laughs> Not something you had thought of because it was like first listen. I was like, oh, this could be a euphoria. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I agree with you, but like, <laughs> I respect your opinion. <laughs> oh, Kylie, that is wonderful. So we talked a little bit about Fatalist. I agree. I think it's a song that could be a little more fleshed out than it ended up being as presented. But I think the following song, I Don't Want to Talk to You, Uh, which is, you know, only slightly longer. It's a two-minute song. But this is one of the tracks on the album that I I felt somewhat of a strong connection to. And I think partially just because I think a lot of times in music, if you're able to say, oh, this sounds like something else. And if I like that something else, then it, you know, typically correlates a positive feeling in my mind. And this is one of the particular songs that reminded me of a band that I listened to a lot in high school, the band being called Forever Lesbians, Ally. Um... No way. Yes. Wait. Yes way. Now, Kylie is gagging her face. Kylie, I would like you to expand on these thoughts if possible. Um, Forever Lesbians is now called Joy Again. They changed their name. Arthur is one of the lead vocalists of Joy Again. This makes so much sense. I was like, wow, this really sounds like Forever Lesbians because that was, uh, they were a band in a, a scene that I guess would be like, I guess lo-fi punk is kind of what they went around, which I, I, I hesitate to call this album lo-fi just because there's an interview that Arthur did for Complex uh, where he says, I always set out to write songs like the Beach Boys or Graham Parsons, but they end up sounding like Daniel Johnson if he was a cyborg. A lot of the time my friends call it lo-fi, but I hate when people say it, say that because it's almost directly proportional with laziness and poor songwriting. I took a lot of acid when I was 18. Um... But Forever Lesbians was in this pocket of bands where it was like them and Teen Suicide and Elvis Depressly and Cyberbully Mom Club and these very basic, again, like lo-fi, simply constructed bands that had, instead of, you know, maybe a hip-hop edge to them, they maybe shifted a little bit more towards the punk side. And Mm -hmm. I was super into that scene for a little bit. So other than Forever Lesbians, were there any bands, maybe the ones I just mentioned, that you liked, or is this scene completely foreign to you? 
this is pretty foreign to me. Um, like I started listening to Forever Living slash Joy again when they were Joy again, <laughs> you know, like two years ago. Because I was really, um, you know, through high school and a lot of college, I was really into like hip hop. And then only more recently did I start getting into like, you know, more of what hair the dog is and also just sort of ugh, umbrella alternative. <laughs> you know? So it's all foreign to me and I need your recommendations, Kate. Oh God, there's nothing I love more than uh, sending an unsolicited playlist to a woman of just like, hey, heard these songs, think you would like them. Uh, then I get like just the, the reaction thumbs up back. She's just like, I just, I don't care. Like I didn't ask for this. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good to know that there is a forever lesbians tie in here and that I'm not crazy. And I think I don't want to talk to you is maybe the strongest of those vibes. And I think man has made himself as another one on this album. Uh, oh, okay. But let's talk about the song. No tango for a second, because I felt like it reminded me a little bit of King cruel in the sense that I was like, stylistically, this is fine, but emotionally, I have no attachment to this song. I would simply deem it as background noise, which for some people might be a compliment, but for me, it's not what I would want a song to be called. Do you um, agree? I could not disagree with you more. Um, <laughs> no Tango is like one of my top two favorite songs on this album. Me and my roommate, Stats, you know Stats. We we run it in the car all the time. I love how, like, like it doesn't. When I first listened to it, I was like, "Does this song even work?" Because there's like two <laughs> different melodies going on that are like two different tempos, and then I'm like, "Does it even work?" And the more I listen to it, I'm like, "This is genius. I love this song. I jam so hard to this song." Um, don't even know what he's talking about, <laughs> but, but it's just, I just think it's so good. So I felt that way, not about the song that follows, but the song after that. So two songs later on the album, I felt that way about Fix. You have to stop. You have to relax. You have to let go. No, I won't stop. I'm gonna be. was a song for me where I was like, oh, this is, I, I kind of know what this is. Like, I understand to an extent what he's trying to do. And although maybe stylistically, like the sound of this album is far more electronic than anything I would typically ever listen to. But if you give me an album full of songs like Fix, suddenly I'm very into it. So for me, this was the high point on the album. Was this the other, the the one B to your favorites with No Tango being the one A? Or, or do you disagree with me again, Kylie? Case, we agree on this one. Thanks, God above. <laughs> I love Fix. Um, you mentioning that it's, it's, yeah, it's like more accessible. And that's the thing about Arthur is like, if you like Arthur and you're like, this is a little too out there for me, you can just listen to Joy again. Cause it's more like, like this, it's like, I don't want to talk to you and fix. Um, and I think that's why he goes so out there for his solo stuff. Um, this is a, this is a throw this on to cry song. This is on I the crying playlist. 
Absolutely. It's a self-loathing anthem. <laughs> and we stand a self-loathing queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think this song is great. Like, my top three. I'm already going to run you down my top three. Please, top three. go for it. No Tango, Fix, and William Penn. No order. William Penn. So that's a song a little bit later on on the album, but we can talk about it right now. This is one that I felt almost embarrassed to like this song as much as I do because I, I, I do think it's really out there. And again, typically a more abstract sound or something that I can't exactly define what it is. I hit him with the Drake meme of the no thank you. But this was like the second half of the meme. I was like, yeah, I kind of like this. Like, I Drake memed this song. So what about this speaks to you? I think this song is just, like, grand in the way that there's, like, there's trumpet blares. There's, like, an orchestra. Um, there's, there, I don't know, it's like bop. You can bop to it, for sure. But... It's also like you listen to the lyrical content of it and it's like so sad, <laughs> uh, which is something that I really enjoy because if I want to jam, I can jam. And then if I want to be sad to this song, I also can. Um, I just think it's a banger. I like, yeah, it's one of the few ones on this album that's like really upbeat. Yes, which is uh, what I, I identified with. It was like, oh, this is fast. I can I can move to this. I like this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't like it when I first listened to it either. I don't really like anything when I listen to it for the first time, but everything grows on me, I suppose. I want to psychoanalyze that for just a second. Kylie, why do you think that is that you, as you said, don't like anything the first time you hear it? (laughs) I know that's a wild statement. Um, It's a little galaxy brain. It's a little bit out there. Uh, that might have been something that no one has ever said before in the history of mankind, <laughs> but um, I don't know. It takes me, like, especially listening to albums, it takes me, like, two or three listens to like it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too too critical the first time that I, you know, consume anything. You um, might just not like music. If, like- you, if you need to listen to an album three times to be, like, sure of whether or not you like it you might just not music might not be for you i thought it was the universal language i think it's something that can bring people together maybe it's not for you yeah i'm quirky and not like other girls <laughs> most girls <laughs> most girls hit up with an indie playlist kylie's like i actually don't like sound i actually want no part of this yeah i don't know what's wrong with me maybe i need to i need to talk to someone about this <laughs> Oh In god. <laughs> I would I would recommend it. Yeah, I don't want to air your dirty laundry on the on the podcast, but man, if there's a professional that you can talk to about this, I would I would maybe recommend it. I know in my life there have been professionals, mental health people that I have talked to about the way that I fixate over certain celebrities or people in media and how uh, Kylie, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of my male role models have let me down recently. Uh, it's just, yeah. it's not great. And there's a song on this album, Biz, which is the most played song from this album on Spotify, and which Arthur says, why do uh, people premeditate their plan to somehow emulate their favorite dead pop stars rolling around in the grave without a dime to their name? And I, more than any other line 
on this album. That was the one that jumped out at me as, you know, he was adding me to an extent. I felt like it was the Arthur subtweet of Case Low, where I had to now once again question, why am I putting so much faith in these people that I do not know, that I only enjoy for the things they make, and for the most part, not really the things they do? Do you have that issue yourself of maybe attaching your fandom to things a little too strongly and then you get burned from it? I used to, definitely. Like, I was big into stan culture, you know, stan Tumblr, stan Twitter in between the ages of like 17 and 21. So (laughs) this is, I'm a stranger to this and it has shaped me to who I am today. And maybe being so deep into it is like the reason why I'm now able to like separate myself from that. Um, so maybe that's my recommendation. Go all in for a little bit. And then then pull back. And then pull back. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I tend to, yeah, I also tend to like idolize things and, you know, just get really obsessed with things, um, just for no reason. Good, good. That makes me feel a little <laughs> less alone. alone. Yes. Now, what did you think of the song Biz? Because this is the Spotify song on this album with the most plays. Is it one that jumped out to you at all? It was not. I'm surprised. I didn't know it was the number one most played song um, from this album on Spotify. Thanks for the knowledge. Um, I'm surprised by that. Biz, um, I definitely appreciate what Arthur is saying in the lyrics of this song, but I think, um, I don't know, maybe production wise, maybe this might also be a topic that is just too familiar to me. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I don't jam to this one as hard if I'm being honest. Nor do I. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Now this album is 13 songs, 27 minutes. And the album closes cause there's a song, simple song that's track 12. It didn't do much for me, but the album closes with a song called You Are Mine, which from the earliest bars I recognized as one of the bangers that the Catholic Church has produced. sung a million times in church. It is one that I know all of the words to and hearing it constructed in what I would call a almost lo-fi hip-hop way. Kylie, I have to say, I fucked with this song. Did you as well? (laughs) Yeah, I just anything with like a children's choir in a song, love that. (laughs) I think Yes, love a good children's choir. Something that should be implemented more into all facets of art quite honestly. 100%. Bring in the children's choirs. Um, This song, I think it's so interesting how you start listening to it and you kind of hear what sort of sounds like a voice. You can't really make out in the lyrics. It's just a voice that's sort of making the melody. And then really the only lines that are like that are decipherable completely are like the last is just the last line that just says I love you and you are mine and that's really the only lyrics that you can honestly make out in this whole thing um but yeah rise up former catholic nation it I like I really enjoy this because it it speaks to my theory a little bit that 
there are ways to possibly amend Catholic church hymns to make them really good songs. And there's a band called the Smoking Popes who attempted to do that a little bit on their last album where they just sang like more like non-secular Christian songs. And I was like, yeah, that's, I get it, but it's kind of lame. But I like the spirit of it. And I kind of want more of this. Like unironically, I thought this was a really strong way to end the album and like I said at 13 songs in 27 minutes you are finished with Hair of the Dog now Kylie I must ask you because uh, the lords over at Pitchfork gave this album a 7.4 out of 10 and as well our friends at Exclaim gave this a 6 out of 10 so Kylie if you had to give this album a rating out of 10 if you had to put your objective journalist hat on for just a second what number out of 10 would you rate Arthur's Hair of the Dog um, I would give this, I would give this album an eight out of 10 and here's why I'm not going to give it a seven out of 10 because that I feel like that's the default answer. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. <laughs> you are, you are clearly living with someone who consumes a lot of Anthony Fantano content, but Anthony Fantano doesn't have a strong feeling on something. He goes for a seven out of 10. You have learned correctly, Kylie. <laughs> so I went in the more favorable direction with an eight because I think, the themes and ideas in this album are solid. I think that you definitely have to commend the fact that it doesn't sound like anything else that's out there. And I think that in itself deserves a higher rating. Um, and yeah, yeah, I don't know how he managed to make it, this sound. I have like, how on earth do you manage to form your sound to sound like this? And I just want to commend him for that 100%. Kylie, typically people come on this podcast and they talk about a lot of albums that maybe they listen to in their formative teenage years or maybe even at times something from childhood. And I ask them who needs to hear this album and why so they can put themselves in the position of where they were when they first heard it. You first heard this album in May and even since then it feels like the world has taken on just such a, a shockingly different turn. But I do ask you the same question, Kylie. Who needs to hear this album and why? People who need to hear this album right now are those of us who are at home at our parents' house right now, haven't seen our friends in so long, miss everybody, um, don't know when things are going to go back to normal, feeling a little, a little, here's a reference, Cabin Fever. Um, a, a reference to a show that, <laughs> when I think about it now, it seems so strange that Kylie and I co-wrote a play freshman year, and it feels <laughs> yeah. like like weirdly a blip on the radar, but then I look back, I'm like, no, I wrote a play with Kylie Sagai, and I must be doing something right. That was a highlight of my life, <laughs> um, getting to work with you, and yeah, just working with all our friends as well. Uh, so great. Anyways, yeah, if you're home alone with just with your parents and your thoughts, give us a listen. <laughs> Kylie, I couldn't agree more. We have now hit the portion of the show where you can plug whatever you need to. You can plug your social media if you want people to find you. You can plug what you're working on. And like all our guests recently, you have brought a charitable organization or however you would phrase it. Kylie, uh, where can the people find you and what do the people need to know about? Um, well, if you want to, you know, hunt me down, my Instagram is Kylie Sagayan. It's just my first and last name. If you can spell it, uh, good luck. But my Twitter is at future underscore none. Um, that's 
basically, yeah, that's really where you can find me. My play, once again, premieres at Theater Above the Law in Chicago, May 13th through June 13th. You can go on their website, all the information's on there. Um, and for plugging the organization, I would like to give a shout out to FroSkate. Case, are you familiar with FroSkate? I don't think I am, Kylie. Please educate me on this. Oh, Case Low. I'm so excited. FroSkate is a um, like an organization in Chicago that is a skate crew led by women and trans, queer, gender nonconforming people of color. And their whole mission is to create a more inclusive space within the skate community. The skate community likes to say that they're super inclusive, but if you're a woman, and especially if you're a woman of color, like you know that's not true. So they're addressing the issues um, within the skate community, such as um, making sure that people have access to boards. They give a lot of people boards, and they also organize skate events, which are centered around um, you know, women of color and queer people of color. And they've also been organizing protests, the recent Chicago um, No Breaks protest was organized by them. And I believe they're gonna do more of that in the future. So you can give them a follow on Instagram at underscore froskate underscore. You can donate to them if you wanna donate a board to somebody who needs it. Um, they also, you know, travel around the Midwest. Maybe they'll be coming to you soon. Yeah, great organization. The pictures from the No Breaks protest that I saw were pretty moving. It was pretty great to see a community come out together like that and roll through the streets of Chicago. So, Kylie, thank you for putting that organization on my radar. I will be giving them a follow on Instagram. Uh, As for me, please, especially if you're in the Chicago area, pay attention to the work that Brave Space Alliance right now is doing. You can find more information on them at bravespacealliance.org. I'm in a position where I'm currently living at home with my family and my family can feed me and it's not really a concern for us, but there are people that do not have that luxury right now and especially uh, the food drives and food banks that are going on. If you're in any area that can give, please help You know these people eat. It's, it's something we all need to do and Brave Space Alliance is doing a great job of collecting the necessary supplies. And then as always, if you want to get in contact with me, I'm on both Twitter and Instagram at underscore Case Low, C-A-S-E. L-O-W-E, and the podcast itself can be found on Instagram at Art School Albums. And Kylie Sagayan, I would like to thank you for joining the Art School Albums podcast. This has been Arthur's Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog.